0: You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible comes from Joshua chapter 5. It's a story where Joshua has been commissioned um, by Moses and God to, to continue on taking the people of God into the promised land. And there's this time in Joshua 5 where he is, uh, he's got his soldiers, the folks in Israel, and he himself, they're preparing to go into battle. And as they're preparing to go into battle, Joshua looks up and uh, he sees this man standing there. You're, some of you are familiar with the, with the story. He sees this man standing there with a drawn sword. And Joshua, being the good leader that he is, he goes up to the man and he, he says, uh, Are you for us or are you for them? You remember that story? And this man, he says to Joshua, No. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And immediately after this man with the drawn sword says those words, Joshua bows down and worships. I think uh, the reason that he's able to worship is because this is the second person of the Trinity, the pre incarnate Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord. And I like this true scene, this true story, because I believe it's a call to reality. I'm not like Joshua in many ways, but I am like Joshua, maybe like you, in this way. I'm always asking God the question, surely, God, you've got to be on my side, right? And Jesus says in response to that question, no, Todd, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. I am my own side. You really simply need to just bow down and follow me. You see, we're in our series on spiritual warfare, and there is a war going on in our world. And we are tempted to think that it's simply about politics, about race, about power, even the virus. We have our own ideas about what's right, good, and fair. And that might be good as far as it goes, but it definitely doesn't go far enough. You see, this morning, whether you've come to church and... uh, During the week, maybe you're a Republican, a Democrat, a progressive, a conservative. During the week, maybe you're a mask wearer or not. We have no business confidently assuming that God is on our side. He's got his own side, and we as Christians, we are called to follow him, to serve him, to worship him. And this morning... We're going to bear down in this series on spiritual warfare. We're going to bear down on God's Word, the Word of God, which is also called the Sword of the Spirit. And we're going to see how the Sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is useful for us in this battle that's going on for our hearts and minds as Christians. So we're going to read again, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 through 18. And even as I read, I'd love for you to consider, try to remember some of the things that we've talked about using this passage and know that uh, this morning we're going to talk about God's Word, the Sword of the Spirit. So let me lead us this morning reading Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 12. It's written for you in your bulletins. You can open up your, your Bibles if you'd like. But here now is God's Word. Paul writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, we do not wrestle Making supplication for all the saints. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I do pray that even as we've read your word, would your spirit work in our hearts? Would we be reminded that you are present with us? Would you help us see this morning by faith? Would you remind us that you are our God, that you will never leave us or forsake us? Bless us now as we listen. your word in Christ's name. Amen. So in all circumstances, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Big question this morning. How is the Word of God? How is this sword of the Spirit? How is it useful to us as Christians in this battle that we're in? It's not against flesh and blood. It's not a physical sword, okay? We're not talking... We're not talking about physical warfare. It's against the rulers, authorities, the cosmic powers, the spiritual forces of evil. How is this word helpful and useful to us as we seek as Christians to live by faith? I'm going to give you three things, and I've tried to pick out three things. I talked to some of the younger folks in, in our, when I say younger, I mean younger, 7, 10, 11, 12 years old. I tried to pick out three things that I think Will be helpful to us regardless of our age, that you can remember, so that so that you can take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and live by faith in whatever the Lord brings to you in the coming days. The first thing that we're going to talk about is, with God's word through His Spirit, we can enter into the presence of God. And I know most of you know that, but we're going to delve into that a little bit. Secondly. God's Word is useful to us because it presents for us the real true story that you and I are actually a part of. I'd like to say it like this. There is an unseen world of absolute reality. Unless you're embedded in God's Word and you can find your part in it, you're going to miss it. And that's serious. And then lastly, my favorite point, God's Word is very useful for us because As Christians, we can know that we're going to win. That no matter how hard it gets, because God's Word is always effective, always brings about its intended purposes, that we're on the right side by faith in Jesus. So three things. First of all, we need God's word. If we're going to know who God is, if we're going to know what he's like, if we're going to know how to relate to him regardless of your age here this morning, you need to know that God doesn't normally today speak to his people through dreams, through visions, and Isaiah-like prophecies. That's not the normal way that God speaks. I'm not saying that he can't. I'm not saying that he hasn't. I'm not saying that he won't, but the normal way that God speaks today is through his word. Many good things that we can and we should say about God's word. It's infallible, it's inerrant, it's inspired, it's useful, it's relevant. It's the final authority in matters of faith and practice. But we have to add one more thing. God is present to us as we open up his word. It's the normal way we encounter God and receive from Him. And the reason that is, is because God's Spirit always goes with God's Word. There's a lot of things that we could say here, and I don't have time to say it all. But generally speaking, you have to understand that it's the Holy Spirit's job to bring things to completion. If you wanted a real simple way to understand what the Holy Spirit does, He brings things to their intended purpose when God was creating the world by the power of his word the Holy Spirit acted when God in Christ is working out our redemption the Holy Spirit is active and at work bringing our redemption when God is holding things together by the word of his power the Holy Spirit is present and active and I know for some of you this morning, I know, I know us well enough. I know my own family. I know my own friends. I know you guys well enough. When we talk about the Word of God, sometimes it might be a little bit boring to you. Oh, he's going to preach again about the Word of God, how you need to read it. True. Some of you, it might be a little bit overwhelming because it is a very big book, and sometimes it is hard to understand. So it can be boring, it can be overwhelming. But the fact of the matter is if you wish to hear God's voice, if you wish to enter into his presence, if you wish wish to sit in his glory, you have to immerse yourself in God's word. The Bible is not a source book for moral advice. There's a lot of moral advice in there, but that's not its purpose. It's not a utilitarian tool to help you be successful and happy. You know, if that were true, we only have to know the right thing to do, and then we do it, and we pretty much know that's not the case, is it? I talk to people all the time who know the right thing to do, and they don't do it. I'm one of those people. We need to know God because when when we meet with God, we cannot stay the same. The Bible has all sorts of good things in it, but if we're going to grow, if we're going to be able to stand strong in the world, we have to know God. And if we're going to know God, we have to be able to open up this Word. We live in America. We have so many Bibles. And every time we open up this Word, our prayer ought to be, Holy Spirit, would you usher me into the presence of God? of the God who writes this story. That's the first reason. We all need the presence of God. That's what we were created to be in. Secondly, the reason why God's Word, the Word of the Spirit, or the Sword of the Spirit, is useful for this spiritual battle that we are a part of is because as you are embedded in the history of redemption, God working out our salvation. It gives us a vision for the world. It gives us a vision for reality. And I do want to say this. You you can be saved and not come, come to grips with the vision, but there's so much more to salvation than simply going to heaven. As important as that is, as powerful as that is, there's so much more to salvation than that. This is probably one of my biggest concerns as a father to adult children, as a pastor today in the present social context of the church, and I don't like the way I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it to make a point. It seems today in the evangelical church, and even in much of Redeemer, if I can say that, we know just enough about God's Word maybe to get us into heaven, but we're missing out on the power and the goodness for the here and now. There's a lot in this word that not only tells you how to, how to get to heaven, it gives you the power and the ability to navigate the world that we are living in today. God is supremely real. He is supremely righteous. He's at work in the world today, but so often we find ourselves busy walking in the shadows of partial reality. Because there is an unseen world of absolute reality that can only be entered by faith. And to enter it by faith, you have to be immersed in God's word because God's spirit applies that word and ushers us into the life of faith. It doesn't make us useless for this world that we're living in, but enables us to be very useful for ourselves and our neighbors unless we're embedded in the truth of God's Word, the story of God's work, the promises of God, where we see Him rescuing mankind in the midst of the mess that we have made, then I have to tell you, if we're not embedded in that story, all these discussions that we are having on race, on justice, on evil, on the virus, It's not scratching the surface to what needs to be discussed. If you start in the wrong place, you're going to end up in the wrong destination. You know, as I I watch our world today, even as I watch myself sometimes interact with the world, Christians interacting with the world today, I, I, I don't get upset or don't get concerned. I really don't. I don't... You need to understand this. I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care whether you're a progressive or you're a conservative. What I care about is whether or not we're using the world's value system, the world's idea of right and wrong, rather than the truth of God's Word to determine what's right and wrong. And what I care about is some of us sometimes are tempted to walk around thinking that Jesus is on our side. And that's the wrong question, or that's the wrong idea. The question that we have to be asking ourselves is, are we on the side of Christ? If we're more embedded in man's story and man's interpretation of the world rather than what God communicates that's found in Scripture, we are going to miss the mark. See, there's an episode in history in which full reality can be discerned. It's found in the the whole life and the whole death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's the gospel. And you have to realize that there's a prelude to the gospel. It's called the Old Testament. And you have to be versed in what those stories mean and where they're leading to better understand the gospel. And there's there's a postlude to the gospel. It's Acts, the letters of Paul and others, and Revelation. And when we put that big picture together, we dig deep, we can see and understand things like the origin of mankind, what is the human race all about. We see the purpose for men and women. We see not only what we're supposed to do, but why we're supposed to do it. And the why really matters. And ultimately, we see our destiny as human beings. And if you guys, if we don't think those things are important, if we don't come to grips with the biblical answers to those questions, we are not going to be any help to a world that needs it. The vision that the Bible gives, it takes, it takes the world that we're walking around in. The Bible gives us the vision of faith so that we can interpret this world and we can actually live faithfully and love other people in the midst of it. My point here is this. If you want to be helpful in the world today, if you want to be helpful to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, if you, if you really want real insights into the struggles of the world today, we need to understand, we need to be immersed in God's story where Jesus Christ has erupted onto this scene in this world in space and time to fix the things that we have broken and are breaking. So, as a recap, we need the Word as God's people. It is useful to us. It is helpful to us so that we can enter into His presence, so that we can be transformed by the glory of God Himself. Secondly, we need to, we need to be embedded in God's story in this Word that, that we have so many copies of so that we can, we can take the life of faith and live it out in the world that we're about to walk out of, out to, in 15 minutes but lastly the word of God is necessary we need to know it because the word of God it never fails it always wins this is uh, my favorite point some of you may know this that uh, summertime I get, I get withdrawals from, from not being able to watch college football I just do. It's not not necessarily that healthy. It's not as bad as some of you may think. It's not as good as I think, but somewhere in the middle there. So what I do during the summertime is I watch old games of my favorite team. My wife drives me crazy. She goes, why are you watching that game? Because you know how it's going to end, right? And I say, yeah, that's why I watch it. Because I never watch a game where my team loses. I don't watch those. I delete those immediately. I only watch the games where my team wins. So in the first quarter, they have a bad first quarter. They get behind 24 to nothing. I can still get a little upset, but I'm okay. You want to know why I'm okay? Because I know the end of the story. You know, in the third quarter, when when my quarterback goes out and it looks terrible, it looks like the other team's going to win, and that second-string quarterback comes in, I know it's going to be all right because my team wins. Do you realize... If you're embedded in God's Word, if you know those promises there, no matter what happens to you in the first quarter of life, the second quarter of life, the third quarter of life, even the last minute or two minutes of the fourth quarter, if you're embedded in God's story, you can do anything that God puts in front of you because you know the end of the story. You win. God never loses. I boldly proclaim to you this morning that God's word, it will always bring about God's intended purposes. It never fails. And because of that, I can honestly tell you, regardless of what you are going through this moment in time, regardless of whatever God asks you to go through in the future, you have nothing to fear. It doesn't mean you won't be scared. But it means deep down, we have nothing to fear because we know the end of the story. That is the only way that we're going to make it through this life that God asks us to go through. We read it in our Old Testament reading. God says, My word will not return empty. It will accomplish all that I purpose. It will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Do you want to know why we can love our enemies? Do you want, to want, do you want to know why we can look past politics and power and the virus? It's because we know the end of the story. And we need to be busy about, about trying to be on God's side, following Jesus. And it starts right here in this room. It starts in our family. You work it out in your family and then you take it to your neighbor's. There's really only two options when it comes to the Christian faith. This, I, I, need every, I need you young people to listen to this because you're young, okay? You're either going to, We're either going to trust God, His Word, His promises, or we're going to trust ourselves. Those are really the two options. What we think, what we believe, what we ought to do, and that's really it. There's never any neutral encounters with, the, with God, with the living Word. You're either going to respond by faith or you're going to be moved away. When you hear God's word, when you think on God's word, when you pray on God's word, we're either going to trust him or we're going to decide to do it on our own. It's the same with God's word became flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news, the primary message of God's word is this, that God became man. He died on a cross to to forgive us of our sins and reconcile us and make us into the men and women that we were created to be and our lives pivot on what we do with Jesus, who is the living Word, become flesh. We'll either trust Him with our lives, cast our lot in with Him, and when we're tempted to ask God, hey, are you on my side? His response always is no. I'm on my own side, and you need to follow me. God's Word. We need it because that's where we're changed. That's why this worship service is, I mean, we've cut out a lot of things to keep us safe, to move us through so that we're not sitting here for an hour and a half. We haven't cut out the Word. Secondly, the Word of God leads us into ultimate reality. A life of faith in this world of shadows enables us To go through life with purpose. And lastly, in this word are the promises to remind you that no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, God's promises are more certain than even that. And that's powerful. So, this isn't a sermon about how you ought to read your Bible, but you ought to read your Bible. This is a sermon about how we need to be embedded in this story of redemption as God's people. And as we dig down deep, he's going to lead us where we need to go. He's going to make us faithful. And he's going to bring about his intended purpose for the world, and it is good. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your blessings of the word. I ask that your spirit would work among our hearts here this morning. That you would make us men and women, young and old, make us into the, the, the folks that you've called us to be. Help us to know you, serve you, love you, and worship you, and then use us in the lives of other people, dear God, we ask. In the name of Christ, amen.